you're gonna have to like edit us being saying we're done out of yeah. this multiple times yeah Welcome to the Case Equation with Matt from Mickelson and me, Drake Mickelson. In each episode, we assign the blame of who spoiled a perfect Nicolas Cage performance. To apply the Cage Equation, we take the Metacritic score, subtract it from 100, and that gives us the point stake that we're going to divvy up between the director, the writers, the Cage stars, or anybody else we think who's to blame. This episode, we're looking at Primal, which came out in 2019. It was 93 minutes long. Other than that, there's very little information on it because it was released direct to streaming, starred Nicolas Cage, Famke Jansen, Kevin Durant as the bad guy, and also one other big name on it was Michael Imperioli from Sopranos and other things like that. It's basically, wouldn't you say Snakes on a Plane? Except yeah, on a it's boat. Snakes on a Plane. Snakes on a Plane, except on a boat. Uh, Kevin Durant. <laughs> Kevin Durant. Yeah, <laughs> Kevin Durant. Yeah, <laughs> Kevin Durant is the, uh, is the psycho uh, ex-military guy who is being transported on the boat, which Nicolas Cage, who is a big game hunter, is transporting his illegally caught animals. Then there's also, I think, some NSA people. Um, Famke Jansen plays as the uh, the She's naval. a psychiatrist doctor who works for the Navy, I think. Yeah, well, she was there because Loeffler, at some point, had a stroke or something, and they thought they were going to fly him, but it may have caused him to have some type of neurological problem. Who knows? Yeah, I, the, the whole thing's a mess. I guess we'll start off with Nor- Malcolm, how did you like this movie? Oh, I loved it. And it has my favorite like B-rate villain, which is Kevin Durand. I feel like he's always played this exact same character. He was in X-Men, uh, Wolverine, the best X-Men movie. Oh, I love it's this the, movie. It's the blob. Yes. Yes. Um, this rivals Drive Angry. Rivals it, but does not exceed it, I would say. I, this is my drive angry, because you were loving drive angry so much. This one is like, I, it was, I don't know, it's just great. Nicholas Cage is, is halfway between, I don't know who he is supposed to, he was channeling some Indiana Jones, he is channeling some uh, cigar chomping guy who's out there hunting. I mean, there's a, so many things that were just off the wall with this one. We should mention we have a lot of points to assign blame here for. It only got a 32 Metacritic rating. Um, so we got 68 points. I I see a lot of problems. I, can, I think we could have fixed a lot of these problems too. But just from the very beginning, the bad CGI, which actually I didn't mind too much. The Puma um, Vision. The Puma Vision uh, <laughs> redeems all the bad CGI. It's the worst animal vision thing I've ever seen in the movie. Because it's it's just grayscale is all it is, but it's Puma Vision. It's Puma Vision, it's awesome. Yeah, and then like the 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 Jaguar itself was a white Jaguar that didn't seem to actually have fur. They couldn't even no. CGI a convincing fur into it. It looked like it was wearing like some kind of sheet. The bad bad CGI on the parrot, yep. the snake, the uh, snake. Bad CGI on most of the backgrounds, yeah. almost all the backgrounds that aren't in the ship. Yeah, in the ship. I don't know. The jungle shots were pretty good. I, I was watching at the very beginning. It, it almost convinces you. I, the new trick, and I finally figured this out, is all those helicopter shots you used to do, which if you were a good director, you could pull off. Well, now you don't have to be a good director because everybody's got a drone. Yeah. So it's all drone shots just going up and down, and they're smooth looking, and they look great. And they follow the camera around as they're going back and forth in the jungle. But now it's all... I 
at the beginning, it almost fools you into thinking this may be a well-made movie. The guy who's directing it might know what he's doing. But unfortunately, that was not true. I, so I'm going to disagree with that because it opens with Nicolas Cage smoking a cigar while trying to lure out an animal. Which I, <laughs> I've i never hunted, but I can tell you immediately, I don't think you're supposed to be smoking cigars when you're trying to lure something out. Especially when you're trapping it. It's not yes. like he's even trying to find it. He's up in a blind. That's not even a blind. He's up on a platform in plain sight <laughs> above a carcass of an animal smoking a cigar and making about as much noise as he possibly could because he doesn't even have a chair. He's just standing there. And walking back. He's like pacing, waiting for this thing. And according to his story later on, when he tells, tells about it, he's been up there for two days. Two days. No food, no water, as far as I could see. No gun. I understand you're trapping. It seems as if a gun would still be beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, But the whole thing was... And okay, so, so the Nicolas Cage performance, I thought was great. I love the fact that he didn't try to be... He didn't try to be too athletic. And I think he should have went even farther that way. What would have been great if he would have packed on an extra 30 or 40 pounds with the Russell Crowe route? I don't know if you've seen The Craven, The Hunter. Yeah, I've seen that trailer. <laughs> trailer. I think I sent it to you all and said, what is this? Yeah. Um, and Russell Crowe is the it. worst trailer for a movie I think I've ever seen. Uh, I know we're already getting distracted. Craven, The Hunter has the worst trailer for a movie that has ever been. It's three minutes long. Explains the entire plot, I believe. Yeah. Um. And it's actually four trailers, I think, like four 30 second trailers that have all been put back to back to back. Well, and on top of it, then somebody's already pointed out, this has been pointed out all over the place. One of the few defining characteristics of Craven the Hunter, besides the fact he's a hunter, is he's Russian. He's played by a guy who in all the other Marvel movies has always had a Russian accent or at least a Slavic accent. And now he speaks in perfect English. Okay. Anyway, I, I don't even remember his voice in it, but yeah. 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 Anyway. Primal. Back to primal. Back to primal. Because, yeah, this whole thing just starts off great. I mean, it, it started off great. I, I, What I don't understand is, I think Nicolas Cage was completely dialed in on this character. But then the director had him do stuff like trying to sidestep a CGI Jaguar. I mean, they didn't even, they shouldn't have even made him like graceful or even tried to do that stuff they should have just found a way to make him like clumsy but still effective on nicholas cage and the cgi i'm gonna yes. ruffle a few feathers here to the the millions of listeners we have and compare him to another great actor ian mckellen yes and say i don't know what ian mckellen was complaining about in the hobbit because nicholas cage thrives in the green screen no other actors on the screen here Yes, and I, you know, he, I believe this came out after. The, I know it came out after the Hobbit. Ian McKellen could have taken notes, you know, all the mental distress he had. Nicholas Cage could have taught him how to deal with it. The greatest thespian on the face of the planet. You just hire him as advisor. Absolutely, yeah. He's dealing with all these things. He does it. I mean, he he plays to that CGI jaguar exactly as the same as he plays to any of the people that are in front of him at any point in time. There's no. You difference. can't tell the difference. No. Yeah. It's immaculate. It's the perfect CGI performance, I'd say. Yeah. I should also point out, anybody that's ever complained about the new Mar the animations on any of the new Marvel movies should take a gander at this one because they yeah, would it's never... Bad. It's bad. It's really bad. <laughs> I didn't realize... 
I'm I, the trailer's playing on repeat on my screen right now, and it's mostly the Jaguar. So that was their big marketing too, was this white Jaguar. Um, but yeah, it's you're right. There's no fur on it. And no, I haven't it's... seen fur at all in these clips. Oh, okay. So I guess we could just both agree. I think I think he nailed all of his writing, the world weariness. Every time he had the snappy comeback for, I think it was Famke Jansen, which we're going to go into her character pretty quickly here, but he had nice back and forth. He double flipped off the uh, the CIA guy or the NSA guy um, all the way through the whole thing. I, I think this is exactly the kind of action hero he's great at now, which is not, it's kind of that Harrison Ford mold where he doesn't, he isn't actually athletic. He's like the everyman. And I think he did a really good job. I don't know. The cigar thing was a little weird. I don't know if he actually smokes cigars. You can. It's like sometimes when you watch people smoking stuff, you wonder if they're actually have actually. I thought he done was actually before. smoking a cigar on camera. Yeah. Well, he probably was. But the I mean, way he was a, eating that thing. Yeah. He goes. Oh, maybe it's just. A, I don't know. That was big cigar. It never burned down. No. Well. Also, he has multiple cigars throughout this movie, like during the action scenes. They would just kind of sprinkle those in there. I felt like. <laughs> it's like. You think I need a cigar with this one? Hey, just to say, do you think he's stopping shooting? Hey, where's the cigar? I need the cigar for the scene. Well, I think it feeds into, and this is going into the writing. I I don't know. There's literally nothing about this movie out there. But it felt like they shot the movie three times. With the same general plot, but they didn't know what they wanted each character's character to be at any moment. The only character who's consistent throughout the whole thing, and he has the worst writing to establish a character ever, is Kevin Durand. Yeah. They checked right. every box of the of the establishing a sleazy, disgusting bad guy stereotype that they could have. He did a great job with it, though. Yeah, he was scary. And the stuff he, he never quite went, I don't think, he never quite went over the line with it either. I mean, he no, was... Except for, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the only thing that was off about his character is apparently at some point he has developed a resistance to all tranquilizers, <laughs> except for the last one. I think he gets tranquilized like three times. Well, the first time he tried to tranquilize him, when he picks up the dart, it still has the tranquilizer in it. So I don't think it actually got injected. I missed that nuance. Yeah. That it's... beautiful nuance of the film. Yeah. They didn't. It was weird because as bad as this director is, they didn't do the close up of the needle. At that point, they could, yeah, they I completely missed that. That. But well, the other thing is, why was this guy? I well, I just don't understand. The writing also is horrible too, because I don't understand how why any of this happened. What's really weird is the director is actually supposed to be a stunt coordinator, and I would say probably the weakest part of the entire movie was the stunt coordination. Yeah, well, th there was no stunt coordination. It's no. like he actively avoided having any fights or actual gunfights in the entire movie they had the one fist fight at the end between him and nicholas cage and they never fight and they beautiful yeah and they at some point had said that nicholas cage has actually been in the army and but that seemed like something that was just he mentioned. had been a mechanic in the army yeah halfway through they mentioned that too it wasn't like that's that's what i'm saying they didn't <laughs> I, I think it was three I think it was shot three times. I think it's so low budget that they could shoot it three times because they also, this guy, we're talking about Kevin Durant again. Yes. He works for, and this is the name of them, the Sword of God. Ooh, yes. South American 
I think it's supposed to be a cult. They establish it like it's a cult. But then you come to find out he doesn't work for the sword of God. At one point he says, I was in the military. And then kind of frames it like, and then I left to join this cult. And then later you find out that's not what happened. For some reason, he's lied to Nicolas Cage about his past. And he actually worked for the NSA in South America, um, doing assassinations for them. And then also the president of a South American country. And they dropped the whole cult thing. Um, and then he's an NSA agent. But he doesn't reveal that for some reason until the the last possible moment, when there's only one other person alive on the boat. Yeah. The other, Michael Imperioli, who plays it, we we discover, you know, what somebody's bad. I thought it was going to be Famic Jan Jansen was going to be the turncoat because you knew somebody was going to be the bad guy there on the other side. But it turned out to be him. But Who's the weakest turncoat of all time? They do the whole scene where he catches the animals and he, he loses his driver because the village is upset that he's taking the white devil out of the jungle, which I don't understand. The villagers are superstitious. He's captured the white devil, which is the white the albino jaguar. If you had a man-eating devil in the forest outside of your village and somebody caught it and was going to take it to a different country, why would you be upset about this? Because I don't know how you didn't understand this. Okay. They're upset because they have sacrificed people to it. <laughs> That's the reason they don't want him to take it. It's because they've already satiated its hunger by sacrificing people from their three shack 10 person village okay okay so that's my that's my perfect but you cannot explain this right before they leave the parrot eats nicholas cage's lunch right this parrot that we find out later has been following him all around the world the parrot is eating his takeout taco and beer where did he get a take it's a wrapped up like a taco tico wrapped up San <laughs> sancho or something in paper like in perfect it's in a like paper wrapping tray, paper isn't tray. It? yeah where did that i looked all over as he's on the drone shots as they left there was no taco truck anywhere around there in the middle of the jungle where they had no electricity or anything else are Is tacos that, a big uh big commodity in the amazon rainforest I, I, <laughs> is that the natural home of the taco, taco you can just find and, them growing in the yeah. wild and the and the and the saran wrap wrapping and everything else the, yes, it, the, the wax paper, the paper wrapping waste. Yeah, yeah, it just comes with it. So they get through that. And then they they cue the... my Actually, wasn't one of my favorite parts. Was they cue the Caribbean uh, reggae music as he drives through the jungle. Which is actually... I, I kind of missed that. That's like an old 80s thing where they used to... If you were in a jungle somewhere and it, it wasn't... Matter. And it wasn't Africa. If it was anywhere in South America, bam, it's reggae music. But it's reggae music so, sung with, with, uh, with Spanish singers. Pretty good song. <laughs> then they get to the, the other next part is where they're loading onto the boat and this is where you're supposed to be entering uh, introducing all the characters and there's not a single close-up shot of any of the people it's like they they lined everybody up they got three cameras and posted them somewhere like 20 feet away from what everyone was doing shot at one time where Loeffler comes in and says some off awful things to you know like Hey, maybe you should come see me. And then he, they do a little. Maybe we can play shuffleboard with Nicolas Cage and all this other stuff. But th there's no close up. Not only that, they're all driving brand new vans, unmarked vans. Where are these coming from? Perfect. 
U.S. military. They dropped them off. They dropped them off. It's standard operating procedure. To have. They do the um, the Fast and the Furious thing where they fly a big plane over and they all parachute the vans down to they, wherever they're going to operate. And they've been like, they would driven through the same place that Nicolas Cage has driven through. It's like dirt roads are the only way to get here. And I guess they stopped right before they dropped him off and polished up the vans and washed them. Gave him a good coat of wax. And then, and then they're going to, well, yeah, because they're going to extract them doing the Batman thing where they blow up a bubble and then a low flying <laughs> plane picks them back. Up. Again, back up. this is all perfectly reasonable. And I don't know where you're taking <laughs> issue with it. I say all this, but this first part is actually the best part of the whole movie. It's just the very first part. Once Kevin Duran breaks out and starts going around, it's it's sad because the first 20 minutes is there's no action at all. It's really interesting and fun to watch. And once the action starts, that's where everything fell apart for me. I wouldn't call that action. Yeah. I went, every death in that movie was the most boring version of that death that's ever been recorded. So they had like a special forces team that's taking care of them. But although this did <laughs> that immediately it put, spreads out, spreads and out goes in groups of one or two, but never more. But they do there are multiple people going through the boat <laughs> alone. Or worse than that, they'll send one person with like two civilians. And then like he kills he kills the main the main bad the main uh military guy because he opens a door and he just pokes a gun out and shoots him in the head and shoots another. I mean it's no, you missed. So that was the closest thing to an action. He shoots him in the chest, uh-huh. and his bulletproof vest keeps him alive, only to immediately be shot again. Uh, there we go. It's like they set up. I'm. They set up a fight, and then they immediately dispel the idea that there's going to be a fight. I did learn one thing though, and I I think we all should learn this from movies at all. So they lock him up in a cage. They got him in the thing and everything else. And he's supposed to be eating dinner. And they give him dinner. And he's asked, he goes, hey, he asked for a Coke with ice. And nobody gives it to him. And then the one guard thinks it's really funny because he cracks open the Coke and then puts it right out of reach from him. And I, it's like nobody's ever seen a movie before. The one thing you never do if you're transporting a psychotic killer is taunt him in any way. I would be nice to that guy. Yeah, or just neutral. Just don't do anything to that guy. Yeah, whatever. But why is that the guy who gets his fingers bit off? Yeah, I mean, it's a yeah. It's immediately is rewarded and kind, and it's just like I'd like. Oh, here, let me let me pour you a cup. Here, have have some coke. That's okay. Let's be friends because if you do get out of this, maybe you won't. You'll you'll kill me at least quickly. Yeah, and like they are, he eats the exact same meal as everyone else. I yeah, there's. Unforced error on that guy's part. The other part when you're dealing with a killer is he's having a seizure and the doctor through the radio without seeing him immediately says, oh, put a a spacer in his mouth. And at first they set it up the best way they could do it, which is they give all their guns to the other guy and then lock themselves in the cage before they do anything. Then the guy starts biting his fingers off and instead of saying, maybe, just maybe, this is all on purpose to get my guns. And what the guy getting his fingers off is saying, shoot him, shoot him, please shoot him. Yeah. Instead, the other agent walks in with his gun hanging at his side to I pull his hand out. I don't, It's even if it is a seizure, your your plan is to rip his hand out of his mouth. These are untrained. I, I just don't understand. It doesn't seem like anybody's ever been trained at these. At least like in Silence of the Lamb. What's, what, I mean, it was basically a Silence of the Lambs thing. 
mm-hmm. at least in that one, it was like two guys you could tell that had run a county a county lockup or yeah. something. They were supposed to be trying... like special forces. Yeah. We're swinging we're, wildly. We're ripping here. through a lot of stuff here. Yeah. So yeah. all that happened in the first 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, except for the guy, the lead guy dying. That was like 60 minutes in. And I think that was supposed to be like the peak of the action. Yeah. That was horrible. There is also, oh, there's also a kid in the in this movie, um, Raphael. Um, there's also a crew of like 400 people, it seems, on this boat. I know that well, it starts with 400 people, but then once the movie gets going, there's six. Yeah, because you can't shoot them from different angles. So when he gets out, he also lets all the animals out. Yes. Including two deadly snakes, a bunch of monkeys, and the, the jaguar. Now, we've been told that the monkeys will hurt anybody that, like, he's they've done their little thing. Like, he's like, hey, he's smiling at me. No, he isn't. He wants to rip your face off. So immediately... A cook locks himself into a room with all the monkeys, which I, and then starts swinging stuff. I don't understand that one either, other than we just had to have a cool. I don't, what was going with the, what was the cook's plan? What was the play there? The cook's not involved in anything criminal other than helping smuggle these animals back, which so is everyone else on this boat. He, I think, I think it's because the, the agent says something snarky to him. He then decides to go kill six monkeys by himself. Yeah, he locks himself in there so the agent can't get in there for some reason. And then the monkeys kill that guy, which is has no... And then the monkeys are all trapped, and then it's all done. So there's no actual yeah. reason for the monkeys. No. And what I'm saying, I guess what I'm saying is it's 93 minutes long. They We need to... If we're going to fix this movie, the first thing we need to do is probably trim about 20 minutes out of it. So, see, when we started doing this, we kept saying his movie should be 90 minutes yeah now we're we're cutting him down to 70 i this it's one a tv episode he you know maybe that's what he should be doing instead of all these things he could do an anthology series of 60 to 70 minute episodes and he could pump out these ideas way quicker probably a higher production value yeah and people would be more forgiving of it i think they probably also wouldn't try and do whatever this was i don't think the director knows what he's doing the writer like you said, I think there was a six, writer for this. Is there? I didn't even look up there. I'm gonna be honest with you. I looked at the uh the directed by Nick Powell, written by Richard Ledger. Ledger. Okay, I do know this. I think this movie has been around since around 95. Auctioned off the first time. Yes. So this thing's been out there for a while, getting getting worked on. And this is what we came up with. Because after the guy escapes, there's so many problems. There is no reason for any of this to happen. For any, uh, there, uh, why? <laughs> okay, so the military screwed up. Now there's a killer out there who wants to turn the boat around. Everybody on the boat seems to have an invest, a vested interest in stopping this from happening, including Nicolas Cage. I don't think any of them care, should care. Why does the engineer care if the boat's hijacked? I don't know. Why does he? Yeah, none of them should. As soon as he escapes, they should all be like, hey, man, oh, you want me to turn the boat around? Yeah, we'll turn the boat around. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. And, they, and then if the military guys want to do whatever they want to do, and then half of them escape on a lifeboat and everything else, and I don't... And then Nicholas Cage decides he's going to go find this guy. Why? Why is he finding this guy? And why does this guy care about any of the other people? The guy just basically wants to get off the boat. So, uh, my issues with it start before they're on the boat. Yeah. I understand that he has a brain aneurysm, can't fly. I get that. That makes sense. I choose to believe and this could be naive of me. 
that the U.S. military, if they need to transport someone on a boat, do not pick the slowest, biggest cargo crate they can find with the least number of crew that is also smuggling illegal animals. They don't even check what the rest of the passenger list is on this thing. Yeah, and this leads me to believe that maybe this was all actually Michael Imperioli's character had set this up for just this reason. I mean, I think this is all like, supposedly there's probably some kind of setup thing going on. But his setup is also incredibly dumb. What he's, The reason he wants him alive is so they can deprogram him when he gets back and then kill him. Okay. Once again, why why do they need to be deprogrammed <laughs> first if you're gonna kill him? Maybe I don't understand what deprogramming is. I assume that means like getting all the information out of him. Yeah. But why do they even need that? I don't. The know. NSA doesn't know what their hitman's been up to this whole time. Well, he went off the rails or something. I guess. I yeah, know. he joined the sword of God. Uh, See, now this, you're making the noise. Yeah. You said this, this was your drive angry, and I never made that noise of drive angry. Well, I, no, but the problem is, is like they had they had this setup all the way through. All they had to do was just execute three action scenes at the end, and they're done. I, I would have forgiven it if they executed the, the just the one action scene. That would have been nice. Then the whole Famica Jansen character, who seems to be the only reason she's there, it seems, is that it's so they can have a discussion about whether or not he should be poaching animals. Yeah, her- but that you don't understand the character development <laughs> originally. And I say originally, 70 minutes into the movie, she establishes that he is not a good guy. And then 20 minutes later, you get the establishment that he might be a good guy. Character redeemed. Well, I think the other funny part about it is her dad is the admiral who has also happened to be the director of a zoo. And not which zoo? Oh, the San Diego Zoo. So I'm going to. That's an admiral? I think he was the admiral or the commander or the commodore or something like that. and he was but he was the director of i mean you're gonna pick a zoo so let's just pick the most famous zoo in the entire country and and if you don't realize this nicholas cage worked there for a year too oh because he knows him i do remember that yeah so he worked there too and he's worked at like seven different zoos in five years and he's (laughs) but he went (laughs) he, he broke bad for the possibility not even the possibility he didn't know this was a possibility when he did this the white jaguar that has never been seen ever, ever. No one knows it exists. We'll yeah. fetch him a hundred thousand dollars. Million dollars. It was a million. He was gonna get a hundred thousand just for the black jaguar. He says, I know for a fact that during the movie, it may be a million that he says at some point. Yeah. He offers to split the money with someone, the one to two hundred thousand dollars, he says. Yeah, I swear he says that it's only worth two hundred thousand or a hundred thousand dollars. Well, I'm sure if he says he's going to split it, that's how much he says. But I think it was. It's funny because he was originally supposed to get a black jaguar. Then he decided any jaguar with the spots would be fine. They'd take that anyway. And he gets the white jaguar. Now he's going to get a million dollars and buy a beachfront property on some lake somewhere. It's a beach house. It's worth a beach Can house. Can you time. imagine the backlash? If a zoo in the United States of America was paying a poacher to illegally attain a black jaguar yeah well this was like the quickest way to get your zoo shut down i don't know i thought they said it was like in i think he may have said like south africa or something where where it was going to originally end up at but i didn't think so i thought the only time they mentioned africa was when he becomes a possible good person yes and he's decided to take this white jaguar now from mexico to kenya yeah 
Yeah, and then yeah, they they, they they had to do through so many hoops to try and make him a good guy. I think the best part about it was he wasn't a good guy. I like the fact he wasn't a good guy. Yeah, they didn't need to touch that. No. But that doesn't. Then there's no purpose in the kind of love interest. And then just for a second, because I remember, I don't know if you remember her from when she was Phoenix. I, I very distinctly remember her playing Jean Grey. Yes. In the greatest superhero movie of all time, yes. and X3, X-Men United. I was it, distracted by the fact that she was one of the only people who seemed to be acting in the entire movie. Yeah, that was kind of I just too. enjoyed her character because whenever she was on scene, at least something was going to be acted. Outside of, of course, when Nicolas Cage was on scene. Well, but of he course, can't he be is. on screen all the time. But he should be. He can't be. He's not acting, though. He's just living the part. That's good. Is there anything else on the writing? My best point, because they have to, you have to have the exposition of who the bad guy is. So they're all sitting at the table. And Nicholas Cage goes, So what maybe you should tell us since he's on our effing boat who this guy is. And Michael Imperioli goes, Well, I can't tell you because it's all classified and you're not supposed to know. And Nicholas Cage says, like flips him off or something. So he looks over at the doctor who's in the Navy and should know what classified means. And then proceeds to tell the entire story of this guy's career. Every classified detail, not only to Nicolas Cage, but to every cook, every non-American citizen that's in the book. What are, what are you doing? So based off current events, I that might be the most believable thing that happened there. <laughs> He didn't have that any might be the only thing they used in reality. <laughs> like, they saw the future. Like, they knew what would happen four years later. Like, look at these and papers. They said, this this is what's happening. This is hey, what this is super means. classified. I can't. You're not supposed to see this, but let me show it to you real quick. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. So I, the writing and the directing was a mess, and I think anybody even halfway competent on either side of that could have fixed ninety percent of this movie real quick. I don't. I refuse to believe that this guy directed anything. It really did seem like they found a set of what kind of looked like the inside of a boat. Sometimes it looked like several boats actually pieced together, and then set up cameras and just let them loose. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I'm gonna backtrack real quick because while we're doing this, I clicked on the IMDb link for him. Uh-huh. You called this guy a stuntman. One of his stunt movies is Cats and Dogs, The Revenge of Kitty Galore. Before I said Cor- that, it was Marmaduke. Okay, but he, he won Fight Choreographer of the work Year for his work on The Born Identity. X-Men, The Last Stand. I thought it was X-Men United was the third one. It was The Last Stand, and I know that now because he was one of the stunt directors on it. Well, you know what, you know what happened here, though, was um, John Wick came out, and it, which is directed by... I forget what his name is, but the, he's he was a stunt coordinator for Keanu Reeves' movies. I'm guessing this guy probably tried to tell them, yeah, I'm just like that guy. I can direct movies too because I've got the same set of skills that the guy that directed John Wick had. And unfortunately, he doesn't... He has no skill. I, it was bad. It was just bad. Yeah, okay. there's no... I don't... I, there was no directing. There was no directing. No, there wasn't. So should we discuss the thespian and actors involved? Well, I think Kevin Duran was good. He was, was a reasonable, Duran, yeah. re- reasonable psycho. I don't know. that It runs into also, oh, and then there was the guy that played the engineer. The crotchety. Was the engineer's name Scuddy? Scuddy. I am, I am seeing a character named Scuddy, and I feel like I would remember it if they called someone Scuddy during this movie. 
and he's like one of the worst people in the whole movie. I mean, for so many reasons. But he's out there. He's the gruff engineer. He's got the guy that's he, his uh, guy that's helping him, his assistant engineer. He promptly gets him killed because for some reason they decide they decide to ambush the psycho mercenary. And then he decides the way they're going to do that is he's going to get him down to the engine room. And then he's going to have this guy that's done some street fighting one-on-one box this guy for real and get well, killed. See, they, they didn't know at the time that he worked for the NSA. All they knew was that he was a hitman. If they yeah. had known he was an NSA plant, they probably wouldn't have tried that. Some great writing, some nuance to it again. I guess so. And then he, and then he gets this guy killed and supposedly his best friend and doesn't, no reaction to any of this ever. I I don't know. Okay. What the, what is... Thinking of the engineer, I yes. meant to bring this up during the writing. At one point he mentions that he's poured diesel gasoline all over. This yeah. happens right before the fight. Uh-huh. And then at the end of the movie, uh, he's talking down to the Coast Guard's mechanics because he knows more because he was in the military like 40 years ago and says, careful, do you want to get more diesel fuel everywhere? And then lights up a cigarette and walks away. I, does diesel fuel not, is it not ignitable? Is it not flammable? I'm sure it is. They make a very big point that there's diesel fuel. And and this might be fixing the movie again. I thought the play was to get him into the engine room and then to throw the cigarette at diesel fuel. What's that? Would have worked much better. I yeah. thought that's what he was going to do. Because he very purposely lights up a cigarette again as soon as the, the serial killer shows up. But the problem is, is he does all that and then the guy jumps out of the ceiling, I guess, and is going to... And screams. Scream. Yeah. And once again, why do these guys care? So. Well, see, they cared, and again, I think they thought this was establishing some character work here. <laughs> they go, what do they say? They say, we're heading the wrong way. Yeah. And the guy, and the engineer goes, not if I have anything to do about it. Let it let it go back to Brazil. Yeah. You, you've been out of Brazil for a day. <laughs> Speaking of drive angry, yes. better CGI in that or this? I'm going to say better CGI and drive angry. Just because the opening scene to drive angry. Though, I right? do, but I think the whole point of drive angry was it was supposed to be in 3D. So do we handicap drive angry at all from the fact that they were doing 3D no. shots? No. Everyone who was a part of that 3D movement <laughs> deserves to be have points nicked I, I would as much as possible. I would also we say are redemption or we're, we're their reckoning. No one else has called them out besides us. No one in history has complained about the awful CGI, I'm sure, from well, all those 3D movies. Well, yeah, we're the, the very first we're the only ones. We're straight revolutionaries. Groundbreaking commentary. Um, the and then the end scene of the when they killed the final guy and drive angry was horrible too. Yeah, the CGI here was at least they kept it in low light. The monkeys weren't bad. Yeah, the monkeys were surprisingly much better than everything else around them. I wonder if they had some monkeys in their back pocket. Someone had already animated some monkeys and didn't use them. Okay, and then I have a couple, just a couple things that I don't know why they did it. First of all, why did Nicolas Cage kill that guy? Why did he kill him the way he did? And if if a big cat eats a man, 
even if it's in any way, shape, or form, isn't that kind of aren't they supposed to put that the animal down at that point? Well, we already know it's a man eater. Yeah. Well, well. And they would know that if they had checked the paperwork, but there was no paperwork. Except for the paperwork the doctor in the Navy said they definitely saw. And so no one's gonna look further into that, I guess. No, you did you not read the three trivia facts on IMDB? No, I did not. Please so go the, ahead. Um, something about uh, it was postponed because Puerto Rico hurricane was one of them. So the ship of my mayor, as they pronounce it, comes from Norse mythology, which is a figure in Norse mythology renowned for his knowledge and wisdom. That's that all comes in place because the end of that story, one of the stories with that character, is someone gets eaten, oh. and so it kind of it mirrors Norse mythology. And also said Brando on it, so Brando Cage. So there you go. Yeah, Nick Powell really, I mean, or Richard Leader, sorry, the writer, the great writer. Big fan of Norse mythology, I guess. I think somebody might have been reaching for trivia at that point. Oh, they definitely were. It's, it, I'm, there are legitimately four pieces of trivia. I don't know how they found it because I couldn't find anything about this movie anywhere. There's nothing. Yeah, there's There's nothing not a press anywhere. junket. There's nothing. I would like to just know how many days it took to film it. And I that should be a, a fact about every Nicolas Cage movie, I feel like. Yeah, and that's it's not in there at all either. Because even there's nothing about the production. Yeah, Wikipedia is basically bare on this thing. So is IMBD. This so. is where we need to start building um, you know, connections <laughs> with with people in the biz. I bet I bet I could find Richard Leader's address and write him a letter. Probably so. Or you think Nick Powell would be easier to find? I mean, he 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 did the stunts for Born Nick, Identity, so he's Nick, he's a little higher up there. Nick Powell is actually there too. Richard Leader wrote this thing what in '95, so that's 30 years ago. Yep. Yeah. 28 so, specifically. He, he might I like be, it to be exact about when '95 was. I apologize. I I know we we've already moved on from the writing, or <laughs> haven't. I don't know anymore. That's all there but is. What happened between now and '95 that got this movie made? Because before this, so his first thing ever written was A Season of Hope in 1995. Uh-huh. Since then, he did A Stranger to Love TV movie, Our Son, The Matchmaker TV movie, A Thousand Men and a Baby TV movie, God's New Plan. These are all TV movies. Father's Choice, In the Name of the People, Yesterday's Children. I've heard of none of these. There's there's seven more of them. Who said, yeah, that's the guy. We need to get his script made now. Again, I think the production company probably had already bought it, right? And then they were like, this is all we'll give you, man. I We'll give you Cage. We'll give you this. I don't know. And the monkeys. I don't know. I, I can't explain this. I can't explain how this got made. But it should have been better. Especially in 30 years. Yeah, I don't think any of the last part was actually written. I mean, the last 15 minutes is... Nicholas Cage and this NSA hitman having a knife battle that Nicholas Cage wants. Of course. It looks so so here's the movie I wish it had been. And I think the movie I thought it was when we agreed to watch this. I obviously not done any research. I normally try not to watch the trailers before I watch these. I thought it was gonna be like an anaconda like movie. But then I think we maybe wouldn't have gone jujitsu afterwards because he that was kind of his jungle movie. Maybe it's a blessing that it was Snakes on the Plane instead. When did Snakes on a Plane come out? Like uh, 2008? Yeah, something like that. It was a... It was already on TNT when I was in middle school, I feel like. Snakes. 2006. 
their CGI was better. Although the snake CGI was pretty good at the end. I will give them that. They mastered the snake that for some reason was slowly cornering the, the kid and um, the doctor. That was, yeah, the whole snake scene was, that was ridiculous. Too. And the other thing is- it added stakes. added stakes <laughs> to the end of the movie. There's two snakes, which don't eat people. They put them, the guy empties about 15 feet away from the people. And for some reason, the snakes decide they're going to go eat the people who then begin to stamp their feet, I guess, to draw attention to themselves. No, they're going to scare it away. Yeah. And they kept scaring them, even though it just kept going and going. So, okay. It's established immediately after. So the kid's dad gets bitten by the first snake. Yes. Just out of nowhere. Kevin Durant knew exactly where they'd be with the snake there. Nicholas Cage, because he is a good person, doesn't say in front of the kid, but afterwards says, that guy's dead. Doesn't matter if you have the end on 20% chance of success, he's dead. The guy survives this entire thing. He's one of the only people to survive this entire thing. And then they leave it off, basically saying he's going to be okay. Even though there's, yeah, there's no chance he survives. He, but he's the only one who survives. I don't, it was, it was, I don't know. I think it was meant so they didn't have to explain what was going to happen to this little kid. Okay, so I could fix this a lot easier, though. Why don't you actually have an antidote? There is an antidote, and the bad guy got a hold of the antidote. And now you have, to, that gives you a reason to go after the bad guy to get the antidote to save the kid's dad. Yeah. And if that's they all... do a lot to build a relationship between this kid and Nicolas Cage. Yeah, and if you do that, it explains why Nicolas Cage stays on the boat, why he does everything he does. Boom. 28 years and they haven't thought of that. I had forgotten to. You'd mentioned Anaconda. You know that's being remade though, right? Why? With Paul Rudd has been attached and also a Nicolas Cage uh, confluence here, Pedro Pascal. Ooh. So it's going to be a comedy then? I guess so. I don't know. At least they're in talks for it. But anyway, that was... When you were talking about Anaconda, that reminded me of that. There's like six Anaconda movies, I think, right? I think, I think it's there, one of those ones that went B-movie pretty quick. It starts, kind of started as a B-movie and somehow ended up in a theater. But. Well, it originated with one, and then there was one was called Blood Orchid, and then there was one where there were two Anacondas. So what there was just a period of time, and it wasn't directly after Jaws. I guess they still make these movies. But there was like a solid six years where I feel like every movie in the theaters was just insert an abnormally large version of an animal. Yeah. And I think Snakes on the Plane was maybe the tipping point of, yeah, we're not going to beat this, guys. No. And they went away and then they came back and now Jason Statham's the, the big animal guy. Yes. It on. Yeah, they did. Why, the is, that a, why is that a, a subset of movies that people enjoy? I don't want to be more afraid of animals. I don't want to, even if it's not true that there's a snake that size, which there are, I don't want to know that. It's like the centipede scene from uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong. I, I didn't I, need to be more afraid of centipede. I never see need to see that ever in my life. We went to go see that in theaters, didn't we? Yes, and that was terrifying. It was awful. It was maybe the most scarring scene. That's, I would not watch that scene. You couldn't pay me to watch that scene. We watched it maybe a couple of years ago, and I... I skipped it before they even got to the scene because I was not willing to see a single insect involved. What you don't, and also it isn't just that. Peter Jackson's a great filmmaker. And one thing you don't notice it, and to, like I know, I did notice it, they drop down there and all that's going on, right? Mm -hmm. And 
the music swelling and it's just like it's like an action movie kind of thing and about two minutes into it the music cuts completely out and it's nothing but guys screaming and insects munching and the sound of it i mean even the sound it goes from a a movie to a documentary it's awful it is awful it is it is the one of the scariest things that's ever been put to film and the CGI in it isn't great either, but it still doesn't matter because it's still scary. Yeah, you're not looking close enough to know if it's great or not. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay. Okay, so we got some points to the sign. Do we have any problems with any of the actors? No, because the only one that it seemed we had the issue with was the engineer. And my and he, thing would be, I don't think you could cast anyone else in that role and have it come out better. Okay. And that would be that. That was really the only guy that I didn't like. I actually liked, like even the, the guy that got snake bit. Yeah. He was pretty good. I mean, I, I yeah, the kid was pretty good for most of the part until they actually had him acting more than he probably should have. But he was trying to get through it. I don't know. Yeah, there was nobody in this movie that I thought was horrible. So now we're going to come down to between the director and writer. Thankfully, not the same person for once. I think that would make it easier though. <laughs> Would it? Um, they just did 68 points and we'd be yeah, done? Yeah, they get 60, 60 whatever points, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, who's who's more at fault here? Is it the story or the director? I mean, this is a story that transcended multiple decades. Yes. I Can you blame this? I mean, it's obviously a great story. Otherwise, it would not have been made. 28 years after <laughs> after it was written. And after watching the trailer, I was generally genuinely excited to see this. So, like, so we we've done this a few times. Can we? I first off, what what studio made this? Is this a studio we've ever heard of? Lionsgate. Lionsgate. Yes. So yes. So Lionsgate's done this before, where they buy a script and then bring in a better writer. Actually, I feel like that's almost exclusively what they do. They buy premises and then bring in someone slightly better to carry out the premise. Why did they not bring in another writer? I don't know. Not the premise time. of this is awesome. Yeah. He takes a white jaguar, he puts it on a boat, and then there's a serial killer. Yeah. So are we just going 68 to the... Wait, okay, so there should have been some tweaks to the script. So let's... Uh, wait, there how... should have been. So yeah, so there are points against the script. I guess my point is, I feel like most of it goes to the director. But the plot twist is unnecessary. Yeah. Because it's not a twist. It's nonsense. It's overly complicated. There's too much stuff going on. Well, I mean, I don't know if they brought the writer back. That would be one question I have about this. Did the writer get the chance to then come back and edit it knowing he has a generational talent, a one in a million talent playing the lead role? Yeah. Because if you know you have someone who brings that gravitas, that has that it factor, like Nicolas Cage, you don't you don't feed him a little more. No, you 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 rewrite that guy. You put him in every scene. He should have been in every scene. Every scene. Because at least that would have made sense if it was just him on the boat with a with a kid, and the and the agents. And like immediately he's involved in this, trying to be protective of the kid. The the part I think that bothers me most is he's very well established as a bad guy. So, like you've said multiple times, why is he involved in any of this? Yeah. Yeah, they needed to give him a reason to be there. 
And also, honestly, he also needed the scene where the guys, on, they're both on the radio, and Nicholas Cage tells him, I'm coming for you. The hunt is on. Something. Yeah. I think and the he, only thing that he says on the radio is that he was a mechanic in the military. Yeah. I need so. to investigate. This has happened in a few <laughs> of these movies. There's apparently this perception that people in the military go through extensive knife fighting courses. And I need to do some research and see how much training these people get on knife fighting. Because I think this is like the fourth movie where a veteran or an active military person opts to use a knife. Not just that they have a knife fight. They actively choose the knife as the weapon. I don't know. I think you're going to be disappointed by that research, sir. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to ask anyone. <laughs> okay, no, so let's... I don't want to know. Let's make the math easy. I'm going to say 18 to the writer. 50 to the director. 50 to the director. I'm going to do 17 to the writer, 51 to the director, because like I said, the trailer's just been playing on repeat. I forgot this scene happened. There's a scene where Nicolas Cage is looking through a scope, uh-huh. and it is literally, it looks like the scope from GoldenEye planted over the screen. <laughs> and I don't know... There's been better cheap scopes, scope shots in movies than that. Maybe it was. Maybe, you know, maybe that's another throwback that I'm not picking up on. Goldeneye. No. no. <laughs> you should cut that one. No. Out. No. No. You've let me speculate speculate so much, but that's where you draw that's the line. A, I'm drawing the line of that An one. An homage to Goldeneye. I just, wonder, I just wonder at some point, I wonder how quickly it went off the rails on this one. How quickly everybody went, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Okay. Ugh. I'll go okay, with you. Yeah. With the, 51, 51 and 17. All right, so there it is. Uh, 51 for the director and 817 for the writer. That'll be it for us on this one. Join us next time. We're going to be looking at Kiss of Death with uh, David Russo, Samuel L. Jackson, and of course, Nicolas Cage. So once again, it's been me, Drake Nicholson, with Malcolm Nicholson on the Cage Equation. You're welcome, Nicolas Cage. We've once again solved it for you. And we'll see you next week.